Wow, we spent way more time on UFOs than I thought we would. Yeah. <laughs> do you, we have time for the... It's fun. Do some gr- gl- yeah, let's Glenn do Greenwald? some uh, Glenn Greenwald. We, we can speaking, of, up, of, so. speaking of phenomena we don't quite understand. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I thought it would be interesting to go through a little bit of... A uh, little bit of old Glenn's... Um, you know, his trajectory over the last few months. Uh, and, you know, kind of try to ponder what's going on there. There was his trajectory. A, was he fired from a rock? Is he a, like <laughs> traveling in the air? What's his trajectory? Is this like the Chinese missile that fell in the water? Is he about to <laughs> land somewhere? No, no. But we, we realize that some of you are big fans of, of GG, G squared. Um, and so. Well, As I once was that. not too long ago. Yeah. 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 Um, oh, how the mighty, mighty have fallen like that rocket. Ken Silverstein has been doing a series on, on uh on glenn in the washington babylon not along with taibi and and, a, and tracy and a few yeah, others in there as well i'm not terribly impressed with that piece uh the the series it leaves a lot out i don't know it's it's a little it's too, preaching to the choir a little bit yeah it, it's, exactly. it's it's lacking in the uh kind of substance you would want i think yeah, so I, maybe start out with, because I think that a lot of people, folks who haven't been sort of looking, you know, and keeping track of Glenn's uh, appearances on Fox News, may not be uh, or have not quite reckoned with the things that are coming out of his mouth on this on this network. Let's start October 29, 2020. This is when, uh, just after... He left The Intercept, the publication he co-founded with uh, Jeremy Scahill and Laura Poitras, which I think it's fair to say was firmly on the left. He said that he had been, you know, censored by his editors. I don't really want to get into that. It's it's, it's kind of water under the bridge. But I just want to remember uh, what he said, because remember, this is before the election on just a few days before the election on Tucker Carlson. This is the real story of the last four years of the Trump administration, which is that for a long time on the left, there was a healthy skepticism of the CIA. Yes, there was. There was a lot of anti-war activism in the Bush and Cheney years. Um, that has all disappeared. And the reason it's disappeared is because the CIA, from the very first days of the Trump administration, even before he was inaugurated, devoted themselves to sabotaging the administration because Donald Trump questioned just a few of their pieties. And that can't be done in Washington. Whoever does that must be destroyed. And so the CIA and the deep state operatives became heroes of the liberal left, the people who support the Democratic Party, they're now in a full union with the neocons, the Bush-Cheney operatives, the CIA, Silicon Valley, and Wall Street. That is the union of power, along with mainstream media outlets that are fully behind the Democratic Party, which is likely to at least take over one branch of government, if not all of them, in the coming election. And that is a very alarming proposition because they're authoritarian, they believe in censorship, and they believe in suppression of information that exposes them in any kind of a critical light. And so I don't see any way to read that statement other than as support of Trump's campaign, you know, that that it would be very dangerous to elect the Democrats to, to take control of the presidency or the House or the Senate. And you could stipulate that maybe the Democrats are, you know, they support the deep state. Well, but that's that was Trump's whole line, right? Like that was Trump's whole yes. thing that that if you. I mean, this was the the great wool over the eyes among many things that Trump did. He represented himself as anti Wall Street and anti the deep state, which is like 
absurd in so many ways, of course. But but this is the the real craziness that he purported to represent. Um, we of course really have issues like Glenn does with uh, the security agencies and and the terrible evils they've Absolutely. done. I mean, you know, this goes back decades and decades and decades overthrowing governments. I mean, hell, the the Greek dictatorship, uh, the junta was installed by the CIA, which Bill Clinton had to apologize for in the nineties, but. That said, the idea that Trump is uh, the the kind of resistance <laughs> to the security state, uh, just like the idea that Trump is going to drain the swamp, uh, is patently absurd. And there seems to be something else going on here, Glenn. What, what's what, what's up, dude? Yeah, I mean, he appointed a torture someone who was implicated in the torture program, Gina Haspel, to the CIA, who ran the CIA. You know, maybe it like. It's probably fair to say that there were a number of investigations and so on, uh, kind of challenges to Trump's power from inside the security apparatus. But that was due to his, you know, uh, collaboration with with Russia during the 2016 <laughs> invitation, campaign. His, his, inv- his invitation for foreign governments to help him succeed. That, like Trump can be explained not as like a secret agent, but as the most narcissistic, amoral fuck you could possibly imagine who was like, hey, if foreign governments want to help me get elected or reelected or like give me money or give, you know, like he's just a dude who is going to take advantage of any and all possible uh, you know, collaboration, no matter who it benefits and who it harms, if it, if, if he thinks it helps his interests, right? Yeah. And he tried to bully the president of Ukraine into digging up dirt on Joe Biden, you know, and there probably yep. was some dirt there on his son. Um, mm-hmm. Not really any indication that Biden himself, Joe Biden, that is like participated in that. Um but, you know, Trump wasn't trying to root out corruption in the Democrats. He was trying to smear his political opponent and and bully a foreign government using the United States sort of imperial like apparatus into, you know, doing his bidding. And so the idea that like the the quote unquote deep state, which I mean, really barely resisted Trump if if at all, you know, I mean, there's a little bit, but, but not, he just got it. He got into, he got into some pissing matches by like patently insulting the agencies. And, and like, yeah. you know, just like he, just like he does, he gets in these petty fights on Twitter and elsewhere with all kinds of people. It's the same reason that he fired like, you know, half his cabinet and like had multiple chiefs of staff. Uh, he's just a, a petty tyrant who can't get along with anyone and, and likes to get into little battles because his ego gets involved all the time. Yep. And so uh, I want to move on. Uh, Here we are in January uh, 26th. On Tucker, Greenwald says that the Democrat, here's a a Fox News article uh, on on foxnews.com. Greenwald, Democratic Party, the epitome of fascism they claim to fight. And uh, Tucker plugged his substack before he came on there. That's very nice of him. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, the through line for everything that you just talked about, Tucker, is that the Democratic Party, which now controls the House, the Senate and and the White House, genuinely believes they have a monopoly on objective truth. They believe they're the party of science and rationality and that the only way to disagree with them is if you're either a deranged conspiracy theorist or a seditionist, somebody who's engaged in criminal conduct or terrorism. And therefore, they genuinely believe it's not a show. It's not a pretext. They all have convinced one another through this echo chamber 
that they've created, essentially the entire media except this network, which is why they want to shut it down, that if you disagree with their orthodoxies and their consensus, you are a threat and a danger. And it's so ironic they spent four years claiming they're fighting fascism and authoritarianism. And what are they trying to do now? They're trying to harness corporate and monopoly power to silence everyone who disagrees with them. The very hallmark, the epitome of the fascism they claim to be fighting, but which in reality they embody. Wow. And this came after, you know, the the putsch on January 6th, um, where, you know, right wing uh, strong arm squads, uh, street fighters like stormed the seat of government, attempted to, uh, you know, bully the, the legislature into, you know, electing Trump a second term. Yeah, we did a whole episode yeah. on it. So, I mean, say what you, say what you will about that. To 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 paper over that and say that any concern about that is is the actual authoritarianism and fascism, and that the Democrats are the real fascists and authoritarians. Uh, I mean, you know, we, we've had a lot of discussion about how Trump and Trumpism and and kind of these, you know, whether it's straight Trump supporters or these crazy insurrectionists, how how that all relates to fascism. That's an interesting theoretical discussion, um, though. At the end of the day, it's all bad, right? Yeah. Um, to, to, to deflect from that and say that criticism of that comes from the actual fascists and authoritarians, which are the Democrats. I mean, we have plenty of criticisms for the Democratic establishment of neoliberalism and, uh, you know, the security state. We just talked about how, you know, they're supporting Israel and the apartheid state. They support, you know, the cops a lot of times. Still very, very different kind of thing to do that reversal, right? This, this, this resembles the Trump upside down world yep. where, uh, he actually is doing the, the disruption of elections and says that the Democrats are the ones that are trying to do voter fraud, right? Like this is the upside down world where he's the non-racist and everyone else is racist, right? Like th- this is, this is the, the distortion. And he, interesting that Greenwald mentions truth and has this weird thing where he says that Democrats try to have a monopoly on truth when actually what Greenwald is supporting is Fox News, Tucker Carlson, Trump, and the the the, the number one source of uh, distortion of truth and conspiracy theories uh, these last few years, right? Yeah. Worth noting that Tucker Carlson has pushed the, uh, the great replacement uh, conspiracy theory, which is just straight up white supremacist. I mean, this this yeah. comes straight from White supremacist conspiracy theories, the idea that uh, liberals are doing a conspiracy to replace the white population with brown people who will, you know, vote for the Democrats. And this leads to synagogue shootings. This leads to Charlottesville. This leads to all kinds of moments that represent that ideology. Right. Yeah. And also the uh, that Carlson in particular has been pushing, you know, sort of soft vaccine denial around the the Mm -hmm. coronavirus vaccines. And Glenn, so far as I can tell, hasn't said a single word about that kind of thing, you know, and like (laughs) the idea, you know, he's he he is like playing directly into the sort of Fox News propaganda line that that's the only trustworthy source of information. The entire media except this network, which he says, which is why they want to shut it down. And there's no, you know, I mean, some people have suggested like boycotts of Fox News and stuff, but there's no like state attempt. You know, Tucker Carlson is on every night and it's just like 
a completely preposterous. I mean, it would of- be it would be awesome if it wasn't profitable for a white supremacist uh, show to to be so popular and to be on uh, the brainwashing network that brainwashes like millions of American citizens, right? Yeah. That, that would be cool. Like that, like actually canceling Tucker Carlson would be fantastic because it's not actually good, right? To promote and, um, have somebody who's seen as a source of news and commentary, uh, espousing hate and, and, and basically being one, one very powerful filter for how people understand what's happening in the country and the world, right? Yeah. Um, and the last recent thing I want to mention, this is, we're leaving a number of things out, but, uh, recently, The Intercept published a bunch of uh, reporting on basically far-right fake media, groups that, uh, you know, they, they're, these are people like Andy Ngo, a number of other people who are sort of affiliated and or members of far-right organizations. And they, you know, it's sort of like um, the, uh, what's his name, the guy who took down Acorn. Um, oh, yeah. Keefe. Yeah, O'Keefe. James O'Keefe. James O'Keefe. Mm-hmm. Where they put together like misleading videos, you know, portraying Black Lives Matter and Antifa as like violent and, and breaking stuff. And The Intercept went through and found a bunch of, you know, that like carefully deconstructed a bunch of, uh, you know, these these right wing demagogues who are trying to smear like leftist activists as being like sort of terrorists, more or less. Greenwald said... Uh, he, he posted on Twitter, um, this is repulsive. Um, the intercept was founded during the Snowden story to defend privacy rights and oppose the security state. Now the liberal DNC hacks who edit it are boasting. They got personal data from gab users and are sorting through it, doing FBI's work to find extremists, bold adversarial journalism, serving as mouthpieces for the CIA and acting as monitoring cops for the FBI. Liberal political hacks ruin everything. The Intercept is shit, he wrote. And later went on Laura Ingraham, to, uh, who's maybe even worse than Tucker Carlson. I don't know. The, Ingram? Laura Ingram? Yeah. Um, I like Ingraham. Let's call her Ingraham. <laughs> I like that. Uh <laughs> You know, s- smearing the intercept as being like a, a cat's paw of the FBI and um, unleashed a torrent, you know, according to the intercepts journalists uh, of harassment, doxing um, and, uh, you know, personal threats against them for accurately reporting on these uh, far right organizations. And, uh, you know, I mean, Glenn basically in the position of running propaganda interference for neo-Nazis or, you know, just other far right extremists. Um, and, you know, I r- no, no, notice, notice that what he's doing is of course the equivalence of what he calls canceling, right. Or shutting yep. down, which is vo- voicing opposition to something, which, uh, Hey Glenn, that's free speech, right buddy? Yeah. Um, and, and, and yet the, it's so telling what he's opposing and what he's supporting. Yeah. It, it's a, it's a pretty, you know, especially given that, the, you know, they got this big document, uh, drop from Gab, which is like basically an organizing platform for the very far right. I mean, they're using it to do journalism. That's the entire point of The Intercept, you know, and it's uh, pretty much exactly what Greenwald himself uh, did with the 
you know, collaboration of uh, a lot of other people at the intercept in the uh, Lava Jato case, the, the car wash case in Brazil, where they exposed the private communications of a bunch of right wing uh, loonies who had basically uh, contrived uh, excuse to put Lula, um, I forget his full name, um, in into prison so that he couldn't compete against right. Bolsonaro in the presidential election mm-hmm. in yep. uh, Brazil. Well, you know, apparently Glenn has good politics in Brazil. Apparently he backs socialist candidates there, maybe because that's where he lives. He, yeah. he actually understands how it would suck to, to have, uh, you know, fascism, um, you know, where he is. But he's happy to make money off grifting on it over here. Yeah. And I think it I don't know. You you you, you wonder what's going on here. And I think the, the, the clearest explanation that, that, that I've seen is in a little bit of history from, um, David, uh, Newert. Uh, he's an investigative journalist. He's, he's focused on the far right. He's been reporting on the, you know, far right organization strategies, et cetera, et cetera, for many, many years. Like I think over 20 years at this point. And he has an article. We'll, we'll link it in the show notes about Greenwald's early career as a lawyer. There's a, uh, we'll skip some of this, some of the stories, but there's a extreme right-wing white supremacist group that ended up being run by a guy named um, Matthew Hale. And um, Hale went to law school in Illinois and he passed law school, passed the bar and was trying to get a, trying to get a, you know, be admitted to the Illinois Bar Association, you know, so that he could practice as a lawyer. But the Illinois Bar, for obvious reasons, uh, would not admit him because he's, uh, you know, basically a neo-Nazi. And so he sued him. And the first person he hired was Alan Dershowitz. But the Dersh was too expensive for him. So he ended up going with uh, Glenn Greenwald. And Greenwald did basically the same thing with Hale that he's done with, uh, the, you know, the far right people on Gab and Tucker Carlson and so on. And, and just basically defend them with his trademark collection of crazily extreme uh, statements about their opponents and, you know, ludicrous dishonesty. The story is is quite long. Eventually... The second in command of this organization that uh, Hale was in charge of, Benjamin Smith, did a spree killing in uh, in Chicago and around uh, other neighborhoods. A guy who had been close friends with Hale for a long time, and uh, Hale ended up in, in legal trouble as a result. In a statement, um, Greenwald said... I find the people behind these lawsuits are truly so odious and repugnant, repugnant that it creates its own motivation for me. Pretty, uh... You see, Ryan, I, I have enough expertise in the area of law to suggest that it has, as you might suspect, uh, no legal value in terms of uh, helping somebody's case. Uh, that there is uh, very little reason to say something like that that could benefit the client other than... Sure, you could do a, a general PR push, um, but uh, th- that seems like something that might be a sincere statement, right? That's a, it's something that people wouldn't say who, you know, everyone deserves to be defended in court. 
Um, not everyone deserves to be, you know, valorized as the, the, the righteous side of, uh, <laughs> of, uh, yeah, again, the inverting of things where the, the, the fascist white supremacist is the victim and the other people are, are not merely wrong, uh, in terms of their legal case. They are odious and repugnant. Yeah. Here's a quote from, uh, Greenwald's, uh, lawsuit, uh, one lawsuit in, in uh, 2001, before the Illinois Supreme Court trying to get Hale his license back, he says, quote, The denial of Matthew Hale's application to practice law in the state of Illinois embodies the most egregious and most dangerous constitutional abuses, which have again and again been resoundingly declared by courts in this nation to be patently unlawful. Uh, skipping a bit, to describe the denial of Hale's application to practice law, then, is to illustrate the profound dangers it poses to the most basic and valued liberties guaranteed to all citizens by the United States Constitution. Later, Greenwald got in trouble with the court when, quoting from uh, Newart here, when he recorded interviews with lawsuits, uh, with witnesses in the lawsuit brought by one of Ben Smith's victims without their knowledge or permission. The magistrate judge granted both motions, finding defense counsel's conduct unethical under two separate rules. Later, Hale ended up uh, being convicted for um, conspiring to murder a judge. And, uh, you know, he there there was an, an informant had a bunch of video and uh, audio evidence detailing the conspiracy and ended up getting a 40-year prison sentence for, you know... Uh, conspiracy and whatnot. Greenwald said that he told the New York Times that Hale had been wrongly imprisoned. And so this speaks to, I don't know, an incredible blind spot about the danger of like neo-Nazism and far-right extremists in this country. You know, like what somebody like Hale is trying to do is leverage the liberal freedoms in the Constitution to uh, destroy them. To get rid of free speech, exactly right. you know, to, to do That's a right. genocide, to, to, you know, overturn the entire Bill of Rights. Yes, to take advantage of tolerance so that there can no longer be any tolerance. This reminds me of Corey Robbins' chapter in his first edition of uh, The Reactionary Mind on Scalia as the affirmative action baby, who, because of affirmative action, is allowed to to actually uh, attempt to undo affirmative action. Uh, Anyway, uh, it's it's exactly the discourse that that we had years ago on punching Nazis and how, no, 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 you can't punch Nazis. You have to talk to them. They don't want to talk to you, okay? That the whole point is they have a violent ideology that the, the, the very conditions of democratic discourse that you value so much is the thing they want to destroy. They don't want to be part of it. Okay. And you can't treat them as like someone else who wants to, to persuade as the method of, of political change. It's not the same kind of person you're dealing with. Yeah. And the same thing is true of the, the capital putschists that, um, That's right. you know, Greenwald has, uh, defended on so many occasions um these are people who are trying to overturn democracy they they you know whether they believed what they were doing was righteous or not you know whether they had been led astray by conspiracy theories or whether they you know were actively committed to you know donald trump as president for life that's what they were doing and you know there's this extremism about like uh civil liberties, quote unquote, for like a certain class of people who are like straight up criminals, you know, who who threatened 
uh, violence against the democratically elected representatives. I mean, like the foundation of any kind of democratic system. Um, Whereas like, you know, theoretical, like slippery slope arguments about like what this might mean if neo-Nazis can't, you know, if they if they have trouble, like getting their message out or whatever that like like this somehow (laughs) compares to the like overturning an election, you know, through force. I mean, an incredible blind spot about uh, the far right. And I think also a a incredible, I don't know, egocentrism and self-righteousness. You know, it's like he picked out this, you know, it's like I'm going to be a, a free speech extremist. You know, I'm go- I'm going to defend the civil liberties of the absolute worst possible person that you could you could find in the, you know, putatively uh, annals of free speech cases. And even when it turns out that this guy is just a, a you know, attempted murderer, uh, still defending him, you know, and right. after the facts, when, when he has no more legal obligation at all. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it, you know, it's, it's worse than frankly, you know, Alexander Stevens, who debated Abraham Lincoln, on the question of slavery and, and specifically on the question of the expansion of slavery to the territories in the you know early 19th century, uh, he was of the opinion that popular sovereignty is simply that the states uh, and, and, you know, these territories, they should decide for themselves because democracy means uh, just letting people do whatever they want. And, and Lincoln said, well, there's no right to do wrong. And, and actually, like, Having a vote that that establishes slavery, which is is the deprivation of all liberty, is a contradiction with the very principle that makes democracy legitimate, yeah. <laughs> which is like the fact that we're fundamentally equal and no one should have dominion over another without their consent. And so he's pointing out that like, no, 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 you don't have the right to do wrong. You, you can't just not care about whether a state or territory goes slave or not. That's That actually matters quite a bit. It's not just procedural, which is ironic. Given that Democrats are so fucking procedural in their critiques, yep. right? It's ironic that that Glenn Greenwald would also be proceduralist on free speech. Like, it doesn't matter what the content is. It doesn't matter what the position is. It doesn't matter who the person is. All that matters is the procedure. It's like, well, both the Democrats and Greenwald are wrong on that. Because actually, it matters quite a bit if you're supporting slavery or fascism or trying to undermine the very, like, basis uh, of our democratic republic, right? Yeah, yeah. And maybe, you know, to return to the 19th century, interesting to think about, um, you know, uh, Ulysses S. Grant and Amos T. Ackerman's uh, suppression of the Ku Klux Klan um, done, you know, (laughs) I should know with fairly modest kind of prison sentences and so on. But, you know, they faced... uh, Insurrection consequences. Yeah, they. I'm Grant and Ackerman. That is, they, they, they faced an uh, an effort to overturn democratic, uh, multiracial democracy. You know that had been bought in so much blood in the Civil War, and at least for a few years, the government, uh, you know, concluded correctly that when you have, you know, a terrorist insurrectionary threat against like the fundamental basis of the democratic government, uh, the only way that you can respond is with a uh, force, you know, by, by, uh, you know, abridging the, 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 um, you know, civil rights, like, like at- attacking the, the 
networks disrupting, you know, the, the terrorist conspiracies and so on. I mean, not in a way. Grant did have the ability to uh, suspend the right of habeas corpus and so on, according to the uh, the force acts that were passed. But, you know, I mean, it's not like like these folks still got a trial and so on. It wasn't like they were, you know, sort of overturning democracy in their own way. But it wasn't like. We're going to the mats to defend, you know, the quote unquote free speech rights of every KKK terrorist in the country. It's like, no, the, you know, these people are a threat to civil rights. They're a threat to, to any kind of reasonable conception of liberty. And, um, so they, they, this like system of, you know, uh, attempted like Jim Crow. That was, that was, uh, sort of being set up in the, you know, late night, 1860s and 1870s you know, was broken with force. And, you know, that's that's what it takes. That's uh, the kind of thing that is very hesitantly being done with the, the people who are being arrested for, you know, numerous crimes um, for, you know, attempting to uh, install Trump f- as president. And to, you know, to, to think that this is somehow a defense of civil liberties and free speech is just so incredibly fucking stupid that um, it's hard to know what to say about yeah. it. Well, here, here's what I'll say about it, right? Like, as the left, we have to identify the people, the ideas, the organizations that um, oppress, exploit, and harm, and, and those that um, are actually a, a positive good. And, you know... It's hard enough to, to sort through the complexity of politics, uh, locally, domestically, internationally without fucking, you know, grifters who, gee, I wonder why Tucker Carlson is, is the show he goes on. Could it be that like there's millions and millions of viewers who might subscribe to his Substack? Like what, what, you know, could, could it be, is, is there a reason that like the Red Scare podcast had Steve Bannon on? Uh, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, well, no, but the thing is, like, this red-brown alliance, there's a lot of money in it, man. Yep. There's a lot of money in it. And, and it's so, uh, it's so frustrating, right? Because the Democrats are terrible, but, but like, it's really important to be able to differentiate and say the ways in which they're terrible compared to the ways in which the Republicans are terrible to, to the ways in which they're all part of the same problem to the ways in which you can actually use the state for good. Right. Like if you think the state is always bad, you might as well be a fucking Republican, you know, except that they're hypocritical about that too. But like, you know, then I guess you don't want, want Medicare for all. Then I guess you don't want the state to be used uh, towards good ends. Like we have to be on the left cognizant of uh, the fact that AOC, she's in office as a Democrat. But guess what? The squad, because they're socialists, are leading the charge against the apartheid going on, right, in Gaza on the West Bank, because normal Democrats wouldn't do that. So, so like, it's a positive good to have democratic socialists in Congress as elected officials. These are things that it's not that complicated, but you, you just can't do this Manichaean splitting thing where, where like the Democrats are bad. And therefore, if they oppose Trump, well, I guess Trump's good. Like, this is the craziest shit. Like, you have to understand how to critique. And, and, and it seems so clear to me that people that have had track record of this kind of white nationalist stuff or this kind of, uh, proceduralist free speech support without respect to the actual consequence of the ideologies being, uh, defended. It, you know, 
I just don't think that these are the heroes on the left that we should be supporting and valorizing. Uh, when to me, it seems so clearly that the, the main result is their own, uh, grandizement and, and fame and ri- riches, uh, all the while, like AOC, he, did you see Glenn Greenwald twisting himself into pre- a pretzel to critique, uh, AOC all the while realizing, Oh wait, I, I have to also support the Palestinians somehow. Yeah. It's like, so, he claimed so obvious that, right? you know, AOC released an initial statement against the, um, you know, the Gaza atrocities and, and he attacked her as saying that, you know, because she hadn't criticized the democratic leadership, then that means she's a total fake, a fraud on Palestinian justice. And now AOC has introduced a resolution uh, to end, you know, uh, uh, support for the, the subsidies that Israel collects, you know, for, for military equipment and so on. Um, that's going to start a huge fight with the democratic leadership, you know, and I think it, it, it tends to demonstrate how, how Greenwald, he's like trying to cling to this, like ostensibly lefty type of persona while being effectively, a conservative Republican. That's right. And he always lumps in the left with like liberals and the Democratic establishment and Hillary Clinton and stuff, which which just is like a conflation that he's too smart to do uh, unintentionally. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I beware of the red scares and and the uh jimmy doors and 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 now unfortunately the glenn greenwalds I, we didn't even get into how some of the good things he did with with snowden in brazil um you know speak to maybe his good journalism but maybe the fact that he got hooked up a little bit uh by other people yeah. um but but at the, at the very least his his intelligence and whatever good traits he has has really um receded to be kind of uh overtaken by profiting from aligning himself with the Tucker Carlson's of the world and taking his, his anti-democratic, uh, you know, in, in multiple senses, uh, shtick, um, to, to a degree that, that it really obscures more than enlightens and, and is, is as entertaining as it is to, to watch somebody who's good at, at throwing verbal bombs. Um, you know, beware of these frauds because there's too much at stake to support them. Yeah. Yeah. There's, uh, there's two threats that the the left faces. You know, you have the feckless democratic centrists, you know, who will occasionally like step on norms and precedent to keep the left down, but are patently not able to do so all the time. We talked about Krasner, AOC, you know, there is a commitment to democratic outcomes, voting and so on that does exist among liberals that if you win more votes, you should win. Uh, and then there's the right, which is just openly anti-democracy these days. Right. Anti-major- anti-majoritarian, uh, overturning democratic results. A, yeah, A cult of personality of Donald Trump that is plotting in plain sight to rig the midterm elections next year and install probably Trump as president again in 2024 um mm-hmm. you know by cheating and promoting promoting con- promoting conspiracies that lump in liberals with uh uh you know with people of color with muslims with with people from latin america uh, so all kinds of othering going on that 
then says that, you know, the real takers, the real fascists, the, the real sources of evil are all these groups, uh, that happen to oppose Republicans. And, um, yeah. and, and anyone who says that they're on the left, that is in any way feeding into any of that bullshit. And if you can't see that the threat from the right is worse than the threat from the left, like you have no business right. talking about politics in this country. That's right. Cause it's better to see how the left and the right, I, I did it again. It's not the left, but how the Democrats and, and, and the, and the kind of like establishment Democrats and the donor class and, and those in positions of power, uh, collaborate with the Republicans. Um, and, and the, there's, there's a dynamic there. But even as Chomsky said, look, there might be one party in this country and it's the business party, but there are two wings to the business party. And it does matter which wing wins because lives, uh, are really affected by which wing wins. But we're trying to infiltrate one of the wings with actual socialists. And we're, we're also supporting all kinds of non-electoral, uh, politics and direct action and mutual aid and, and many other things. But, but don't be fooled by, by the, the people who are going on Fox news and saying, this is the network for, for free speech. Right. <laughs> yeah. And I, you know, the liberals are a problem. The, 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 the establishment Democrats are, uh, an obstacle, but they're an obstacle that you could deal with over the long term. The right, if That's they right. come to power in 2024, no uh, the no. first thing they will do is crush the left. I think that's a completely fair supposition. You know, this is what Hitler did in 33, ban all the trade unions, you know, and, and appropriate all of their slogans to bring the working class behind, uh, you know, Nazi rule. Um, you know, the, the, the threat to the civil liberties of, uh, unions, uh, organizations like DSA, I think that would be very, very formidable in a uh, second Trump presidency. And, um, you know, that they're not going to be at all shy about being total hypocrites on this 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 question. We see them doing it all the time. And um, if you can't see which threat is the the uh, more serious one, then I mean, come on, get the fuck out of here. Thanks for listening, everybody. Anyways, I uh, went a little bit long, but that's all right. Um, thanks for uh, subscribing and so forth. And we will see you in the next episode. Bye-bye.